Hello, hello, and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Max Tillman. This program is produced at the studios of 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation in association with the UTS Business School. And each week, we take a look at the numbers that make up the news. Well, how much would you be willing to fork out for a stake in an airline? For the Queensland Government, $200 million seems a reasonable ask for a slice of Virgin Australia, after the airline went into administration on April 21st of this year, owing about $7 billion in debt. With an unsuccessful bid for a federal bailout of $1.4 billion, the fate of Virgin Airlines now hangs in the balance. According to figures from the Australian Tourism and Transport Office, international visitors are down 40% from January to June 2020, compared to the same period last year, that's a loss of 1.8 million visitors. It's a dire situation for tourism, particularly in Queensland, where the industry generates $25 billion in state revenue and employs 9.1% of Queenslanders. To help wrap our head around the Virgin bid, and indeed whether tourism can be the light at the end of the COVID tunnel, is our panel of guests. Mr Timothy Mander is Deputy Leader of the Opposition and Shadow Treasurer for the State of Queensland. Dr David Beerman is a Senior Lecturer in the Management Discipline Group specialising in tourism at the University of Technology Sydney's Business School. And Daniel Gishwin is Chief Executive Officer of the Queensland Tourism Industry Council. Mr Manda, we'll start with you. As Shadow Treasurer for Queensland, you're in a particularly interesting position to comment on the Palaszczuk government's plans to purchase a $200 million stake in Virgin Australia by way of the Queensland Investment Corporation. Now, we contacted the Treasurer, the Honourable Cameron Dick, and the officers of the Premier and Minister for Tourism, but unfortunately, none were available for comment, but we'll still discuss the plans nonetheless. What's the opposition's take on the potential bid? Well, we don't believe that investment in airlines is appropriate for a state government. Uh, It's a very volatile industry. State government has no expertise in this area whatsoever. And there are enough private investors around that want to invest uh, to get a second airline off the ground. Uh, We would argue that the state government's financial record in the past does not give Queenslanders any confidence that they should invest so much taxpayers' money uh, into an extremely risky proposal. Your party has called for the $200 million offered to Virgin by the state government to instead be used for a tourism marketing campaign. But what exactly would that campaign look like? And is this just an alternative or a more considered and costed option? Well, we believe the state government's role uh, is to create demand for tourism, uh, to uh, market Queensland at this stage to the rest of the country because we're limited with international visitors probably for the next 12 months. We're talking about priorities. Uh, where can money be best spent? And we believe that $200 million into an airline which has failed miserably financially and is 90% foreign-owned is not the best use of this uh, taxpayer's money. And Dr Beerman, what are your thoughts on that? Spending $200 million on on a campaign to promote tourism in Queensland makes a lot of sense for Queenslanders. Um... The way things seem to be moving, and this is what I've certainly heard from the Tourism Australia presentations, they've been running a series of webinars which have included the Prime Minister and and also the Tourism Ministers, the Deputy Health Officers. So there's a whole bunch of quite powerful people 
who are basically suggesting that by around about the 1st of July, we should have open state borders. Now, I, I hope that's true because when you think about it, the 1st of July is about a month and a half away. So the strategy basically is get people to look at their own backyard first within their own states. And Queensland's very well placed because you've got a lot of people in, in Brisbane probably haven't gone into the outback in their own state. They don't go to Longreach. They don't go to Mount Isa. They don't go to places within their state. Uh, there's a good transport network for people to get around within Queensland. So there, there are enough people to, to at least get things moving. And Mr Gishman, do you have anything to add? Well, Tourism and Events Queensland, which is a, a statutory authority of the Queensland government, spends uh, significant amounts of money every year on marketing. I mean, their budget is in excess of $100 million if you combine it with events promotion. So we have always spent significant amounts of money on marketing. That's not counting the regional tourism organisations spend. So we will need significant marketing power uh, post-COVID-19 because it will be a very competitive space. So we support all those measures, but I think in addition, the industry needs other support and the Queensland government and the federal government for that matter have been very forthcoming in uh, helping businesses to stay afloat for a period of time in this. Uh, But we will need further support for an industry that is fundamental to the economic future of Queensland. It contributes $25 billion to the state. So we have to make sure we cover all the bases and a viable competitive aviation market is definitely something the Queensland government should take an interest in and should uh, uh, support. And as you've said, international air travel is in a holding pattern at least for the next 12 months. So with the $200 million under your party's plan, would it be used as a rainy day fund for when normality returns for the tourism industry? Or is this a pitch to domestic travellers to come to Queensland? This is a here and now policy. What we have to do is get the tourism industry back up and running again. Now, Queensland, out of all the states, probably relies on tourism more than any other. And they were, quite honestly, struggling before the coronavirus. So, you know, there's been droughts and there's been bushfires and there's up in North Queensland, there's been shark attacks. These things had a real detrimental impact on on tourism numbers. Now, the coronavirus has just smashed that to pieces where, you know, there are many businesses not operating. Some, unfortunately, may never come back. So what we have to do is absolutely supercharge the tourism industry right now so that we can take advantage of the fact that it won't be too far away where the borders will be open and those from interstate will be able to travel. This, in lots of ways, is a state of origin battle between with the other states because they'll be doing similar things as well. So if we just uh, remain sitting on our hands, we will lose out in a market where we believe that Australians will be really keen to get out from social isolation and get out on holiday. Of course, we want that to happen in Queensland. According to figures from the Queensland government in July of 2019, tourism contributed $12.8 billion directly to the Queensland economy, and it accounted for 3.9% of Queensland's total gross state product. And the industry indirectly contributes an additional $12.5 billion to the state's economy. So that's $25 billion, or 7.8% of total Queensland GSP. So... Is there a concern that Queensland is fundamentally backed into a corner in how it can respond to COVID-19? Because from the economic data, it's tourism and the resources sector 
that are the two biggest industries in Queensland, do you think that it's a possibility that they may have limited options to get out of the crisis? They've got more options probably than they think of, think about. For, for, for a start, of course, we've had from Queensland, particularly people who have made money in Queensland, there has been a tendency to do all your holidaying overseas. So to, to, for, to get people out and about in their own state will be a very good start. I'm pretty confident that we're going to have open borders within Australia pretty soon. And, you know, if you look at national bucket lists, particularly for Australians wanting to see their own country, the Barrier Reef, North Queensland, Cairns, the, the tropical coasts, rank pretty high. Um, so I think... I think it's quite likely that we'll actually see not only a lot of Queenslanders going to see their own states, but I think once the uh, once the state borders are open, open, as it is difficult to travel internationally, I think we're going to see an awful lot more people from New South Wales, Victoria, going up to, to Queensland and, and visiting all those places that they kind of thought about that they might do at some stage. The Queensland resources sector has seen jobs slashed across mines in central Queensland in the last few weeks, and yet at the same time the Queensland government have made more than 6,700 square kilometres of land available for gas exploration. The resources sector in Queensland is obviously enormous, as is tourism. So do you expect those two industries to be the leaders in a recovery process? Well, the resources industry has been the mainstay of Queensland's economy for some time, and we are a resource-rich state. And traditionally over the years, going back when these explorations first started, there was bipartisan support amongst the major political parties about the development of our resources uh, in the state. That has changed a little bit in recent years, and we've seen that the current Labor government sort of have a bob each way with the resources industry. So the uh, recently departed Treasurer and Deputy Premier infamously said coal mine workers need to reskill. There was a reaction to that, that sentiment in the last federal election, which saw you know, Labor basically get whitewashed right across the state. So there's no denying that the resources industry is, is is actually the shining light in the current crisis because it's been fairly consistent. Yes, there's been some ups and downs around the place, but resource royalties are really one of the only sources of revenue that the state has got that's maintained the levels that it has in the past. Now, not, not without some um, some threats, but uh, you know, essentially it has. So the resources industry will always be a big a big part of our recovery. Tourism as well. But another thing that's changed, I think, uh, in recent times is that people have realised that we can't rely on the rest of the world for all our goods and services and that we need to become more self-sufficient. Well, Mr Gishman, as the Shadow Treasurer has just said, we can't rely upon international supply chains for our major industries. And that, of course, includes the supply of international visitors for the tourism sector. Now, the International Air Transport Association, or the IATA, has warned that ongoing restrictions due to coronavirus mean that global air traffic will not return to its previous levels for up to three years, which is very concerning. Now, it's said that air traffic will be about 50% less at the end of the year compared with 2019. And they also warned that there are many more airlines that could go bankrupt from the pandemic. So is our domestic market large enough to support the tourism industry? 
Well, domestic demand or domestic uh, economic activity from tourism is uh, nearly three quarters of the total tourism revenue that's generated every year. Three quarters of tourism is domestic tourism in a normal uh, circumstance. So, yes, domestic tourism is is a huge business for Queensland. It's about $18 billion, a bit over $18 billion a year. And we have to also bear in mind that all the Australians who normally travel overseas for a holiday, about five or six million of them for holidays, spend about $50 billion overseas normally on holiday. So that part of uh, expenditure is also in play and may be available to lure into the domestic market. It's true, not all of it may be converted, but certainly some of it will. And Tourism Australia and Tourism Events Queensland and all the other marketing agencies have their eye very much on that prize. And for that to work, we do need, obviously, airlines to deliver those uh, passengers and visitors to the destinations around the country. So do you think that there's some credence to a plan for Virgin to have the majority of its fleet stripped and be essentially rebranded as a regional airline? Well, that remains to be seen now. I mean, negotiations are obviously in play, and it's great to see uh, that so many uh, investors have a serious interest in in the assets and in the uh, future of this business. And and the interest that the Queensland government has shown is supporting that and and indicating that there is a viable future for this uh, for this airline because. Uh, we absolutely need it. We know what it's like if we do not have a competitive aviation market. That's not good for anyone. Uh, and uh, we're certainly keen to see that that take place now. And a regional airline, a domestic airline, uh, I suppose, is where you're going. And I think that may well be the future for, for, for Virgin. It's an fo- airline focused on the domestic market and delivering services for regional Australia. Queensland sees some value of having a major domestic carrier based within the state because also too a lot of domestic travel happens within Queensland anyway but also to you know uh, Brisbane and the Gold Coast are so close to you know New South Wales Victoria and New Zealand for that matter uh, that it actually makes a lot of sense for a for a, a, a significant carrier to be based in, in Queensland. It really does. There would have been an enormous amount of modelling going into considering what the path out of COVID will look like. Is $200 million really just a drop in the ocean? Not a drop in the ocean. I mean, when you think that, for example, Tourism Australia's normal annual budget is $150 million to promote Australia to the whole world, it's a very significant outlay of money. But if it's spent wisely, because what needs to happen is that you need, that there are literally thousands of businesses in Queensland and all over Australia for that matter, which really need a kickstart. We have a lot of small businesses which are really suffering. Now, if indeed the plan for a stake in Virgin does go ahead, and of course it's important to take all these announcements with a grain of salt, then I can imagine many other industries in Queensland will be wondering why a $200 million cash injection didn't come their way. Premier's Office of Queensland has announced a $100 million stimulus package for Queensland's small businesses. So there's definitely signs that concerns are being heard by the Queensland government. What are the panel's thoughts on that and ultimately the significance of Virgin and airlines to the Queensland economy? Queensland sees some value of having a major domestic carrier based within the state because also, too, a lot of domestic travel happens within Queensland anyway, but also, too, 
you know, uh, Brisbane and the Gold Coast are so close to, you know, New South Wales, Victoria and New Zealand for that matter, uh, that it actually makes a lot of sense for a, for a, a, a significant carrier to be based in, in Queensland. It really does. Well, Mr Manda, there's clearly demand for an airline. There's apparently money in the till to claim a slice. So is this just business as usual or is there more to the government's plan? Well, there's one reason and one reason only, and it's politics. So what the Labor government is trying to do is the grandstand and to make out that uh, they're out there championing Queensland jobs. There would be many other industries saying, well, if you're doing it for the airline industry, why aren't you coming and rescuing my business? That have where I've gone broke. I mean, small business in this state have really been uh, the ones that have missed out with, with regards to the government stimulus packages in Queensland. Every other state has given direct small uh, small business grants from ten to seventeen thousand dollars directly to small business, and this state here hasn't. The only thing that's been offered has been a loan mechanism, and that's been oversubscribed by an enormous amount. The experts, the aviation experts, I think last night I saw on television news were quoted as saying it's nothing more than a joke. Uh, and and, and I, I worry that it's, it misleads people and gives people false hope. Unfortunately, Virgin, as it was, will not resurface at the same size. There will not be 5,000 workers, which there were beforehand, still working for Virgin 2.0. It'll be a smaller budget style type of airline in the beginning so to suggest anything otherwise is is really being extremely misleading one of the big questions surrounding the virgin bid and the liberal national party's alternative plan for the 200 million dollar stake is how to view the potential purchase of virgin australia now it certainly isn't Qantas, which comes with a lot of sentimental value for most australians as our national carrier so in simple terms what's the case for virgin in terms of governments getting involved in something like an airline it's hardly without precedent i mean we have to remember where Qantas uh, came from and what Qantas was Qantas was a, a government-owned enterprise and derived a lot of its strength today from the fact that it grew up as a government enterprise. So it's not as if government isn't, doesn't get involved in activities on the supply of services and goods. It's, it's still the case now. We have roads are paid for by governments and essential other essential services are uh, delivered by government. So it's certainly not without precedent. And we have to obviously look at it from a benefit to taxpayers who are potentially stumping up uh, money for this. So is there a return for the taxpayer, either in terms of the financial return or in terms of the community benefits that uh, a government investment delivers? And that's something we have to keep in mind because, as I said, aviation and domestic aviation for Queensland and for Australia is an essential service. Communities would fall apart if there wasn't competitive value-based aviation services available to them. Well, Mr Manda, if Virgin were to be picked up by a consortium of investors, including the Queensland government, there's suggestions, as we've already mentioned earlier in the program, that Virgin could be stripped down and rebranded as a regional airline. Now, competitive markets are a big part of the liberal philosophy towards how a country, or in this case a state, should operate. Now, despite the issues that the opposition have with the proposed plan for Virgin, does your party still support the belief that there is a need for a second strong domestic carrier in Queensland? So, now don't get me wrong. 
the LNP strongly believes there should be a second airline. Uh, we need competition, particularly in a state like Queensland, which is so decentralised. Regional travel is a, you know, a vital part of uh, our work and our leisure. So it's important that we have competition. But we are confident that with the number of private investors that uh, have registered interest, that you know they will get this off the ground. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the responsibility of the Queensland taxpayer. It does not need Queensland taxpayers' money, and I think it's simply a political ploy. Now, as we draw towards the end of the discussion, we'll shift our focus away from the present and towards the coming months and the future of travel. Now, Mr Gishwin, we'll start with your assessment on this. Well, that's a very interesting question, and it will obviously be determined by the consumers. You know, the consumers will decide what it is they're looking for and what they want to spend money on. And many things have changed, uh, possibly for a long time, possibly forever. Consumers will be more value focused. They will be looking uh, closer to home for obvious reasons. They will be looking for uh, genuine engaging experiences we believe so we've all sort of been reflecting on our lives perhaps over the last couple of months and uh, many people will perhaps uh, be encouraged to to take that some of that forward in their spending behavior and in their um, in their lifestyle they will be looking for more family focused things um uh, more genuine uh, experiences that uh, enhance our lives and lifestyles. So all of these things will play in consumers' minds, we believe, and also, of course, the safety and well-being aspects. That's always important for, for travel, but uh, it will be more important how safe do you feel as a consumer when you go to a particular operator or a destination. So all of these consumer sentiments, we have to reflect in what we offer the consumers and we have to reassure them that what we deliver will be not only safe for them, but it will also be value for them in circumstances where some people are also worried about their their financial future. And Dr Bierman, are we going to see a paradigm shift in the way we travel? Oh, I think that a lot of things are going to change about travel, at least at least for the year or two after coronavirus. Look, we, we've we, if you look at the last fifty years, we've seen what we call a democratisation of tourism. And that is that tourism has become cheaper and more affordable to many more people. So we've had from 1950, when 25 million people travelled internationally, to 2019, where we had 1.5 billion. And actually paying less money in actual dollars than they were 40 years ago. I started as a travel consultant in 1981. and in 1981, your average return fare to, to London was, was close to $3,000. Uh, the, by the end of last year, you could get easily get uh, return fares to London for half that, <laughs> for half that number of dollars. And yet, you know, the value of the dollar, of course, has is, is, is gone down the gurgler since then. So... The cost of travel has been low, but it's been predicated on two things. Firstly, it's been predicated on the fact that planes are going to be chock-a-block full of people. If you're going on a low-cost carrier, people accept the fact that if you're going to pay cheap fares, you're going to be squashed in like sardines. Because it makes sense that fears travellers have 
about potentially sharing an armrest in economy will outlast the pandemic and shape the future of air travel as we know it. And having cabins three abreast may go the way of the dodo, and with that, tickets will naturally rise in price. Is that a reasonable prediction? Uh, some people w- might want to risk that, but I think most most people are going to are, have been used to the idea that there's a, there needs to be a bit of, of distance between people, so the whole concept of social distancing is definitely going to come into the aviation sector. But it's not only there. It's when you go to a restaurant and people are cheap by jail or whether you go to an event and people are, are sitting on top of each other or whether you're going on a cruise where you've got thousands of passengers in a cruise line. I think there's going to be a demand, particularly while people are kind of psychologically recovering from COVID-19, that they're going to want a bit of space. Well, there you go. Flights may not be as cheap as they used to be in the post-COVID world of travel, but hey, at least it sounds like there'll be more legroom. In the next week or so, word should trickle down as to whether the Queensland government's slice of the Virgin Australia pie will materialise, potentially saving thousands of jobs and keeping the airline's Australian headquarters in Brisbane. But as today's panel has made clear, that is only a pixel of a much larger picture as domestic travel is handed the unenviable responsibility of saving the tourism industry. So, on a parting note, if you've never seen the Daintree, Great Barrier Reef or the Big Dugong in Rockhampton, maybe now's the time to start packing. And on that note, we'll end today's show. Thank you to our guests, Queensland Shadow Treasurer Mr Timothy Munder, Queensland Tourism Industry CEO Daniel Gishwind and UTS Professor Dr David Beerman. Think Business Futures is produced with the assistance of the UTS Business School. And as always, don't forget to listen in on the community radio network on 2SER 107.3 FM in Sydney or on your favourite podcasting app. I've been your host, Max Tillman. Look forward to seeing you again next week.